we have been talking about the kingdom of God within us. Uh, for several weeks or months, we talked about picking up our crosses and following Jesus Christ. So now we're beginning to explore and discover what we have access to after we have picked up our cross and denied ourselves. So we hear about, okay, don't do this, don't do that, don't do this, don't do that. Okay, those are the, those are the rules, and those rules lead to life. However, what are the rewards of following Christ? Who are we now? What do we have access to? What has God, through his Holy Spirit, restored back to us since Adam's sin and this world has fallen? So the message title this morning is The Kingdom Within, Holy Spirit, Power of God. So we're going to be talking about the Holy Spirit this morning and how he is the power of God. Did you know that God is on this earth right now in the form of the Holy Spirit? How the Father is in heaven and the Son is in heaven, but the Holy Spirit is here on earth leading and guiding his people. And if you don't have a relationship with the Holy Spirit, you're powerless. If you don't have a relationship with the Holy Spirit, you do not have his righteousness, his peace, and his joy, which comes from the kingdom of God. I want to just pause here and let you know that starting either next week or the week after, all the teenagers that are sitting here uh, in the crowd, we're going to have a, a teen uh, service as well for you, or uh, uh, just as the children go downstairs, the teens will be going upstairs. Your room is almost ready. So we praise God for the teenagers that are coming. Continue to come. Parents, if you've got teenagers that are not coming, bring them. So we're going to have something for you guys to do as well. So we praise God for that. So Adam's fall cast a shadow of sin over all humanity. With darkness as a cover, Satan has been able to steal, to kill, and destroy us. But God has given his son, and his son has given us his spirit. The kingdom of God has come to earth to set men free. If we are not careful, church, uh, the devil has an agenda to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And you cannot afford to go with the mainstream. You cannot afford to do every single thing that people are telling you to do, even if it comes from the government. Now, I'm not saying be a, a, a rebel or be a lawbreaker unless what you're being told to do breaks the word of God and breaks the law of God. You see, we have a governor. We have a governor from heaven. We have an ambassador from heaven on earth that leads us and guides us into all truth. So just because Biden said it or says it or just because Trump said it doesn't mean that God is saying it. So yes, they are the governors or they are the they are the government of America, but they are not the government of the kingdom of God. They're not the government the government of the universe, okay? So we've got a governor here on earth named the Holy Spirit who leads God's people in truth. So you have to have a relationship with the Holy Spirit to know what he's saying and to receive the kingdom of God that Jesus came to give. So Luke chapter 17, just a quick review from last week, two scriptures. Luke 
chapter 17, verses 20 through 21, talk about this kingdom of God. What is this kingdom? Is it in Jerusalem right now? No. Is it a place that we can point to? Is it a thing that we can point to? No. It's nothing that you can see. The Bible says in Luke 17, verse 20, one day the Pharisees asked Jesus, when will the kingdom of God come? Jesus replied, the kingdom of God can't be detected by visible signs. You won't be able to say, here it is, or it's over there, for the kingdom of God is already among you. Or some translations say that the kingdom of God is already in you because Jesus had come to bring his kingdom. So what is the kingdom of God? We find that in Romans 14, 17. It says, for the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. All right, church, preach this back to me. Say this with me. The kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Remember I told you that God is on earth now in the form of the Holy Spirit. So the kingdom of heaven has come down to earth in the form of the Holy Spirit. And if we have the Holy Spirit on the ends, I think I feel myself getting excited already. Haven't even started. Woo! Sometimes I wish I could preach in a basketball jersey because I sweat so much and I feel like I'm working and active. But we'll work on that. All right. So the kingdom of God is here on earth through the Holy Spirit. God has set us free and put his spirit in us. So while Jesus is in heaven seated by the Father, the same spirit that's in him now is on earth and in us. So we have, through the Holy Spirit, righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. All right, so why did Jesus come? It was so necessary that Jesus came because heaven's glory needed to be declared on earth. You see, Satan was troubling man, uh, bringing us disease and tempting us in sin, and we were living in darkness and wickedness, and God even had to destroy the earth at one time because the imaginations of men's hearts was just wicked always. So it was necessary that we had access to a different mind access to the heart of God and that's exactly what the Holy Spirit does for us when we receive the Holy Spirit we receive the mind of Christ and the heart of God and the kingdom comes down to earth in us but Satan has a motive and he always does see listen now more than ever you need to be spiritually aware of what's going on you need to be able to look at the news and say that's the devil's agenda right there you need to be able to see things for exactly what they are because the, the God of this world for a little while, little g, is Satan. And he uses people. So just like God has people, Satan has people as well. And these people sit in high places. They're in the White House. They're in the State House. They're in the mayor's office. And I'm not calling people by name. I'm just trying to say that Satan uses people just like God uses people. So how the church pushes God's agenda forward, government and media and music and entertainment and all those things, they push Satan's agenda forward. So just like uh, God has people he uses the devil uses people as well so what is satan's motive john 10 10 the thief 
does not come except to steal, to kill, and to destroy. So we can see that happening in government, entertainment, all those things that I told you about. Satan's agenda is alive and well. Even in our own personal lives, he tries to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And But the word of God says, Jesus says this, I have come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. So not just life, but life abundantly. Not just life, but life abundantly. That means not just being alive on this earth, not just being able to breathe and to eat and to talk and to walk, but to have the kingdom of God within me as well is life abundantly. I'm trying to tell you this morning that you have access to righteousness, to peace and joy that has nothing to do with your bank account. You've got access to righteousness, peace and joy that has nothing to do with the kind of day that you're having. You can be cussed out blown, the horn can be blown at you, people can spit on you, smack you, all these, you said they better not do that, I don't know how saved I am right now, all right, but you can still retain your joy and your peace and your righteousness because these things don't come from the earth, they come from the Holy Spirit that lives within us, and if you do not have the relationship with the Holy Spirit I am describing this morning, then it's time to do some soul searching. It's time to ask, has the kingdom of God really come to me? Am I righteous? Have my sins been forgiven? Do I have peace with God? So if I see, see you got to live with peace so that you can die in peace. You hear what I'm saying? You've got to have peace right now with God because after you die, that settles it. And do you have the joy that comes from that relationship with God? So what was stolen from Adam by the chief evil spirit. So I told you that this evil spirit loose in earth called Satan, and he's stealing, killing, and destroying. So what did he steal from man? He stole righteousness, he stole peace, and he stole joy. How did Satan steal righteousness? Because man did have a right standing with God until Satan introduced sin through temptation. So that's how he stole our righteousness. How did he kill us? Because the deception that he used against Eve resulted in the loss of spiritual life. Remember, God told Eve and Adam, uh, the day you eat of this tree, you will surely die. So Satan came to steal our righteousness. He came to kill us because we died spiritually. And then he came to destroy us as well. How is that? Because man's connection to God with his body, soul, and spirit has left humanity without joy. So through Satan's deception and through the fall, what entered into the human race was sickness, depression, evil spirits. The kingdom of darkness was able to come in through man, into man through sin. So we needed help desperately. The dominion and authority that men obtained from God was stolen, and Satan's kingdom of darkness began to reign. So if God destroyed the earth because it was wicked during the days of Noah, what do you think he has planned for earth now? Because the kingdom of darkness has grown, and everybody that's born is born into the kingdom of darkness how do I know this? Because the Bible says that everyone that is born is born into sin. 
In order to obtain righteousness, you must be born again. You receive Jesus Christ as your Savior. You leave the kingdom of darkness and have your entrance into the kingdom of light. And this was all made possible by the entrance of God's kingdom. That's why Jesus came. Matthew 4.17 says this. From the time that Jesus began to preach and say, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So since God and man were close in the beginning and there was fellowship, but sin closed the door and Adam and Eve were evicted from the garden, the only way to open that door back up, and Jesus was the door, all right, open that door back up to righteousness and fellowship with God is what Jesus came preaching was this, repentance. So listen, if sin kicks you out of fellowship with God, it's repentance that brings you back into fellowship with God. You must repent. And that's what Jesus said in Matthew 4, 17. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And this was the greater kingdom Jesus came to bring. And he came to bring us life, which is reconciliation. He came to bring us righteousness, which is forgiveness of sin. He came to bring us peace, which is the restoration of what the thief has stolen. And he came to bring us joy, which is the ability to rejoice and be victorious in all things by maintaining a spiritual view. Now, that's the definition of joy that he gave me this morning. And that's why it's so hard for us to find sometimes because we look for joy in situations. We look for joy in things. And if we can't wrap our mind around it, we don't have joy. But the definition of joy is this. The ability to rejoice and be victorious in all things by maintaining a spiritual view. By saying, you know what? This situation doesn't seem very good, but God, you're in control. I have this pain in my body, and the doctor says I'm not going to live very long, but God, you're in control. I'm going to rejoice anyhow. They used to sing a song, hallelujah, anyhow. Okay, that's maintaining a spiritual view. Listen, joy is spiritual. Joy is not earthly, all right? Even if I handed out brand new cars today, and I'm not, so some of you just woke up like, did he just say what I thought he said? I am not handing out brand new cars today, but guess what? 20 years from now, some of those cars would be jalopies. Two months from now, some of those cars' engines would blow because some of you wouldn't even put oil in the car. So while you would be excited just for a moment because I gave you something on this earth that you could see, it begins to fade and perish over time. So church, wouldn't you rather have a joy that earth cannot touch? Wouldn't you rather have a joy that does not fade and no matter what the situation is that you still retain it? So the Messiah came to bring us a kingdom. Let's go to Matthew chapter 11 verses 1 through 6. How would they know that this was the true Messiah? How would they know that this was truly the son of God, the king of kings? What would he be able to do that would counteract the kingdom of darkness? For thousands of years, the devil reigned on this earth by bringing sickness, by bringing death, by bringing lameness, by bringing blindness. How would we know that this man called Jesus was truly the king of kings and lord of lords? 
how would we know that the kingdom of God had come to earth? Matthew 11 verses 1 through 6 say this. When Jesus had finished giving these instructions to his 12 disciples, he went out to teach and preach in towns throughout the region. So listen, if you're a Christian, you're also called to teach and preach. Do you hear what I'm saying? You have to become a disciple maker. You have to share the good news of God as well. Verse 2. John the Baptist, who was in prison, heard all about the things the Messiah was doing. Can you say Messiah? So he sent his disciples to ask Jesus, are you the Messiah we've been expecting or should we keep looking for someone else? Jesus told them, go back to John. Man, what a message. Listen, go back to John. And tell him what you have heard and seen. The blind see. The lame walk. Those with leprosy are cured. The deaf hear. The dead are raised to life. And the good news is being preached to the poor. And he added, God blesses those who do not fall away because of me. So listen. God does not cause the blindness, the lameness, the leprosy, the, 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 the dying. He did not want that. See, that would mean that his kingdom was divided against each other. So all of that stuff, all of that garbage in this world, disease and murder and rape and abortion and racism, that's not from God. Because if it was from God, he would not have come to erase it. That would be a kingdom divided against itself. So John was saying, has the Messiah come? And Jesus said this, the eraser is here. The light has come in the darkness. The power of God from heaven is on earth. Tell him what you've been seeing. So what now then is the function of the Holy Spirit? And here's what I want you to know. You don't know how powerful you are, church. You're more powerful than the U.S. government because they can't hardly get it right sometime. All right? The U.S. government, they need bills and they have to go to Congress and all this stuff to, to, to exercise their power. That's checks and balances, okay? But you've got the power. If God lives on the inside of you, you've got power and authority from heaven to decree a thing, to believe, to pray, to speak, and God move on your behalf, especially in those areas of your life or in this world where there is darkness. So when you see Satan operating in your life or in your city or in your body or in your home, you've got the authority from heaven because you are an ambassador of the kingdom of God to take authority over the devil and he do exactly what you say. Is that Bible? Yes. The Bible says that if we submit ourselves to God, uh, submit ourselves to God and resist the devil, he will flee from us. Why? Because of the one that we represent. That's the truth. Whether you believe it or not, you should try it sometimes and you wouldn't be so depressed. You should try it sometimes and you wouldn't be so downtrodden. If you were to believe the word of God, you see, Jesus came to this earth and the same things that he was telling John is happening can still happen today because his Holy Spirit is still here. Remember, Jesus was baptized in water and the Holy Spirit came down and rest upon him and that Holy Spirit is still still here with us 
today. Let's go to John chapter 16, verses 5 through 15, to learn about the Holy Spirit's function. You need to get to know the Holy Spirit more. He's God's Spirit, and he's on earth right now. People are always looking for aliens and looking for this. I'm trying to tell you that there's something supernatural here already, and he's the Holy Spirit. And you don't have to go to Area 59 or whatever it's called. He is in you. The kingdom of God is in you. There's something supernatural about you. You don't have to look with telescopes and do all this kind of detecting. You got people looking for Bigfoot, all kinds of crazy stuff. God lives on the inside of you, and that is supernatural. You've got power and authority through Jesus Christ, but you've got to believe it and then exercise it. Too many people in church say they believe this stuff. They believe the power of God, but they do not exercise it. My Bible says that faith without works is dead. So don't tell me about your faith. Show me something. Listen, when John, when, when Jesus sent the message back to John, he didn't just say someone is here to do all these things. No, he said he's here and it's happening. So I want to know where the church is today. If the church is here, where are the happenings? If the Holy Spirit is in us, where are the happenings? Where is the power of God? The Holy Spirit is the power of God. Oh, my goodness. So, oh, I have to say this. I'm sorry. If this is your first time here, I'm not yelling at you, brother. I, I, I just get excited a little bit. You're not in trouble. The devil is, though. All right, we're in Galatians chapter 5, beginning in verse 16. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Too many people are letting something else guide their lives. The CDC is guiding your life, and uh, the government and this one and that one, you're guiding your life. No, 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 no worldly power because, listen, the, the, the devil is the god of this world, and he influences the government. So you better be careful what you're doing and say, God, are you leading me to do this or not? All right? Some people right now are, do, are waiting on God to tell them to do something, and God's not going to tell them to do something because he never said stop. Do you hear what I'm saying? So let this hit your heart. Some of you are waiting on God to tell you to do something that's already scripturally to be doing, and he never told you to stop doing that thing, and you're just sitting and waiting. Okay, I'm waiting on God to tell me when to do this thing that the Bible said I should already be doing. Whew. So I say... Let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. Oh my goodness, Lord, I thank you. I've got help with this sinful nature. Anybody ever sinned before? All right. We sin almost every day. But through the power of the Holy Spirit, we've got some help now. We don't have to be led and guided by our sinful nature. The Bible says that you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants you to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are opposite of what the sinful nature desires. 
These two forces are constantly fighting each other. So on the inside, your sin nature is wanting to pull you this way. And uh, on the inside as well, the Holy Spirit is desiring that you go this way. So which one is going to win? It's the one that you let lead you and guide you. Let's continue. But when you're directed by the Spirit, you're not under obligation to the law of Moses. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outburst of anger, selfish. Anybody? We, we, we do this sometimes, don't we still? That's your sinful nature. Okay, and it has to be controlled by the Holy Spirit. So when you're led by you, you'll tell somebody off. When you're led by the Holy Spirit, you'll bless them. You'll bless those that curse you. Do you hear what I'm saying? Let's continue. Uh, ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and all sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified him there. them there. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. So you remember Don Geiger standing up here, and he was the cross, the entrance to this new life, the entrance to the kingdom, okay? When we pick up our cross to deny ourselves, what that is saying is, I am no longer in control. My sinful, na sinful nature has been crucified with Christ, and now the Holy Spirit is the one leading me and guiding me. But as soon as you put that cross down, you begin to rule over your life again, and that's your ugly side. That's that side you say, God, help me. God, take this temper away. God, help, help my attitude. All that stuff comes back when we stop denying ourselves and stop being led by the Holy Spirit. So, the kingdom of God has come through the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And the first thing that he brings us is righteousness. Church, can you say righteousness? All right. But there's a, there's a good righteousness and there's a bad righteousness. Let's start with the bad. Let's go to Luke chapter 18, verses 9 through 14. All right. There's a bad righteousness out there, and that kind of righteousness hurts people. That kind of righteousness says, look at me, I'm better than you, you're not like me, holds up their nose to people. That, righteous, that type of righteousness is where um, religious spirits live. And oh, if you don't do it just like me, then you're not saved. If you don't do it like me, then you're not saved. Like they have, they have the power to deem a person righteous or not. Listen to this. Then Jesus told this story to some who had great confidence in their own righteousness. That's the bad righteousness. You think that you're righteous because of what you do. And it says, they scorned everyone else. Two men went to the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee and the other was a despised tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed this prayer. I thank you, God, that I am not like other people, cheaters, sinners, adulterers. I'm certainly not like that tax collector. 
I, 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 I fast twice a week, and I give you a tenth of my income. But the tax collector stood at a distance and dared not even lift his eyes to heaven as he prayed. Instead, he beat his chest in sorrow, saying, Oh God, be merciful to me, for I am a sinner. I tell you this, this sinner, not the Pharisee, returned home justified before God. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. So listen, church, it's not about you sitting in this building or wearing your nice clothes or trying to do right that makes you righteous. It's only through faith that we receive righteousness through Jesus Christ. It's all about what he did for us, not what you do for yourself. So even if you gave away 100% of your income moving forward to the soup kitchen, that doesn't make you righteous. Nothing that you do for yourself makes you righteous. The only thing that makes you righteous is your faith and what God has done for you through his son, Jesus Christ. And then he puts your, his spirit in you. So you are led in righteousness by the Holy Spirit, not by your ideas and your mind. Your mind will always be bad because your mind is connected to your sinful nature. But when you have the Holy Spirit inside, you now have the mind of Christ. And through the mind of Christ, you receive life and peace. Let's go to Galatians chapter 5, verses 4 and 5. This is the right righteousness. That was kind of fun. Can you say right righteousness? This is the righteousness that is right. This is the righteousness that we seek to obtain. Galatians 5, verses 4 through 5. For if you are trying to make yourselves right with God by keeping the law, you have been cut off from Christ. You have fallen away from God's grace. I've heard so many people over my life say, hey, man, I'm going to come to the church and check you out, and I'm going to give my life to God after I clean myself up a bit. That's self-righteousness. You can't do it. You can't make yourself right because you don't even know all the wrong that's wrong with you. All right? Verse 5. But we who live by the Spirit eagerly wait to receive by faith. Church, can you say by faith? By faith, the righteousness God has promised to us. So the righteousness we receive from God is by faith. Because listen, if it was by us, nobody would get in heaven. Because the Bible says that our righteousness is as filthy rags. Our righteousness is no good. But Jesus was the spotless and perfect Lamb of God who died for our sins so that we could have his righteousness. What an awesome trade. All right? Uh, I don't know why this came to my mind, but if you're going to give me some gum, please give me a fresh piece. I don't want an ABC piece of gum already been chewed. All right? That would be a bad trade. Why would you give me something that's already chewed up? All right? Now, listen to what we gave Jesus. Our adultery, our lies, our wickedness, our sin. And what did he give us in exchange? His righteousness. So that, hallelujah, so that when we stand before his father, he sees a crowd of people wearing white that are just as righteous as his son. He's able to say, God, father, here they are. Here are the 
the ones from earth that believed on me and they will live with us for all of eternity because they believed. You receive righteousness. You are saved because you believed in what God did for you, not what you do for yourself. So righteousness is the first thing that we receive from the kingdom or through the power of the Holy Spirit. The next thing is peace. Peace in the Holy Spirit. And peace means nothing missing, nothing lacking. I have been, my testimony recently is I just feel like I, I'm in a better place since this series come along. Especially as it relates to peace. Because when I realize that I have peace from God, that means nothing is missing Nothing is lacking. If you really want to jack up your peace, then walk around saying stuff like this. Oh, once I get married, things will be better. Or one, he's laughing too hard over there, bro. <laughs> uh, she can still hit you and hear you. All right. Once I get the promotion, I'll have peace. Once my boss transfers to the new company, I'll have peace. Never tie your peace to earthly things. Never. So say this with me. I lack nothing. That's peace. I lack nothing. I may want a new house, but I lack nothing. I may want to be married one day, but right now I lack nothing. God is the giver of every good thing that I have in my life. And when it's time to get something better, he'll give it to me. But as for now, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. I lack nothing. And when you recognize that you lack nothing, there's just a peace that overwhelms you. All right. Nothing missing, nothing lacking. John 14 verses 26 through 27 say this. But when the, remember, this is about peace through the Holy Spirit. That's the kingdom of God. Righteousness in the Holy Spirit, peace in the Holy Spirit, and joy in the Holy Spirit. We're talking about peace right now. But when the Father sends the advocate, which is the Holy Spirit, as my representative, that is the Holy Spirit, he will teach you everything and will remind you of everything I have told you. I am leaving you with a gift peace of mind and heart. The peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. So if you're troubled or afraid by anything, that means something's lacking and something's missing. God's people are never troubled and never afraid because he has given us his peace. All right. So medicine doesn't give me peace. All right. Yes, it might help, but my help, my, all my help truly comes from the Lord. Because listen to this, your medicine don't have to work. Did you know that? The surgery, and we praise God for John Lewis. Let's give God praise for John Lewis. John Lewis was the man we prayed for last Sunday up front. He had a successful surgery and he's back home. So we praise God for that. But he, he had peace before the surgery. This is the kind of peace I'm talking about. The peace that you can go to in a surgery that could be life-ending, where you could die on the table, but you've got peace before the surgery. Some of us, we, we, we wait for peace and say, after the surgery, I'll be okay. I'll have peace. No. Peace is a gift from God. Let's go to Mark 5, 34. This is the story of when the, the woman with the issue of blood 
pressed through the crowd with her faith, saying, if I can just touch the hem of his garment, I will be healed. Because she had been afflicted. And we know that torment and sickness comes from the devil. And she did not have, uh, she was lacking something. She was lacking her healing. And the Bible says that she spent all her money on doctors. And instead of getting better, she got worse. So she was looking for peace on earth, and it was costing her everything. Maybe we need to remember that. I'll say it again. If you look for peace on earth, it will cost you everything. So Mark 5, 34 says what Jesus said to her after she received the healing. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Your suffering is over. So that's what it means to have peace. I'm not broken anymore. All of my suffering is over. The next time you think about, uh, the next time the enemy brings depression to you or sadness to you or even pain to your body, I just want you to be able to declare, Lord, nothing is missing. Oh, this is good. This is Holy Spirit right here. Nothing is missing. Nothing is lacking. But pastor, you don't know about this pain in my knee. It still hurts. My grace is sufficient for you. So even in the midst of pain or sickness in your body, God is still there bringing his peace through grace. Amen? Amen. All right, we're almost done. Let's go to Romans chapter 8, verses 5 through 7. This is talking about having peace with God through the Holy Spirit. Those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things. But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. So those of you that want to gain, regain control of your mind, you're going to church now, you're trying to read your Bible, you're giving your life to the Lord, but still you have these thoughts that come out of nowhere, and you know that they're wicked, and you know that they're evil, and you want to stop them. How do I stop these thoughts? The Bible says this, those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things. So what's happening is your sinful nature is trying to dominate you. Your sinful nature is trying to rule you. And where the sinful nature rules, the sinful nature is able to send those signals and thoughts to the mind. The, the next thing it says is this. But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. So the next time you're having those evil or wicked thoughts, say, so you know what? I, cruci I crucify myself anew. And I say, you know what? My mind does not belong to me. I turn off all of my thoughts and say, Holy Spirit, I want you to have my thoughts. I want to think about you. I want you to think through me. And the Bible says this. So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death. But letting the spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. For the sinful nature is always hostile to God. It never did obey God's laws and it never will. Our last scripture about peace is this. It's Romans 16, 20. And it says this. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. Now, isn't that powerful? It didn't say under the Lord's feet, under his feet. It says the God of peace, and that's the, our peace, and he came to bring us peace, will soon crush Satan under under your feet. So what that lets me know is this. Sometimes we're praying a little too hard for God to bring deliverance in a situation when God wants to say, why don't you step on the devil yourself? 
I have given you the gift of peace. You have nothing lacking, nothing missing. Maybe that's why righteousness was first. Just to let us know that we are right with God. And if we are right with God, you see, I don't think I got my badge on me. But if I, if I commit a crime as a police officer, I can lose my badge and lose all of my authority. And so I would not have the power to pull people over or do any of those things that the sheriff has given me. Okay, because I've lost my, I'm not in good standing with him anymore. I'm not in good standing with the sheriff's office anymore, so I can't enforce the law. But if I am in good standing, basically I have righteousness through the sheriff's office. But we have a greater righteousness than the county police, all right? We've got a righteousness that comes from God. And when God looks down from heaven on us and he sees a people that are right with him, that means that we have authority from heaven living on the inside of us. And the reason Jesus came to this earth was to destroy the works of Satan. So... But the devil's greatest fear is that the church would recognize who we are and how much power that we actually have over the enemy. I can't believe that some of us are waiting for the government to say when we can do this or when we can do that. When God himself says here, the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. Now, remember when Jesus said that we would have the ability to uh, walk over serpents and scorpions and we would not be harmed in any way? That's the power that's in you right now, but only if you believe. If you don't believe it, you better go sit down somewhere. If you don't believe it, you better hide. You've got to believe it because it only comes through faith. All right. But letting this, the, okay, we're, uh, the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. May the grace of our Lord Jesus be with you. Finally, joy. We receive joy from the Holy Spirit. Nehemiah 8.10 says, don't be dejected and sad, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. So what does that mean? How joyful is this Jesus Christ that we serve? How joyful is he that he came to this earth, all right? He lived a sinless life, all right? He pleased his father in every way. He hung on a cross without sin, looked at those who were killing him and spitting on him, looked at them and said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. He gave up the ghost. They put him in a tomb for three days. Three days later, he rose from the grave just like he said he would. And now he's been seated at the right hand of the Father and he's waiting on his bride. How joyful is this Jesus for he has conquered death and sin and the grave. So where does our strength come from? His joy. That's where your strength comes from. Jesus is joy. He knows that the sickness, even the, the, the kidney disease that I had, he knew that it would not take me out of here. Why? Because he has all power. So, I don't look at my wife for joy. I don't look at my bank account for joy. It's the joy of the Lord that is my strength. So, anytime you're depressed or sad or worried, you need to say to yourself, is Jesus crying right now? Is he sad about this moment? Is Jesus on the floor throwing a fit like a toddler about my situation? 
Or has this trouble touched Jesus at all? The word of God says, cast your cares upon him because he cares for you. So the next time you see yourself sad, I want you to picture Jesus' joy. And that's where your strength comes from. When he has the joy, he deposits it into us, I'm sorry, as strength. All right. This joy is from above. We have to remember in Matthew 6, 19 through 21, it says that we're not to store up treasures on earth. We store them up above. Uh, in 2 Corinthians 6, 9 through 10, we learn here that uh, we are ignored even though we are well known. We live close to death, but we are still alive. We have been beaten, but we have not been killed. Our hearts ache, but we always have joy. And we need to remember that this joy that God has given us, we should be excited about it because we have this righteousness and this peace. We have all this power over the enemy. And Luke 10, 17 through 23, the disciples returned rejoicing because they had power over Satan. And he said, listen, don't rejoice just because of that. The main thing I want you to rejoice about is your righteousness, that your names are written in the book of heaven. Amen. Let's stand to our feet. How do we remain in his joy? John 15, 10 through 12 says this. When you obey my commandments, you remain in my love. Just as I obey my father's commandments and remain in his love. I have told you these things so that you will be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. This is my commandment. Love each other in the same way I have loved you. So if we want the Lord's joy and we want it to overflow, then we need to be obedient children. Because it does not go well for my kids when they're not obedient. They have no reason for joy because there's some pain coming. There's some, some, some punishment coming. Okay? You want Jesus' joy? And if you want it to overflow, you got to obey his commandments. You can't be living in sin. You can't be lukewarm and expect the joy of the Lord to be your strength. Remember, the thing that gets us into this kingdom is repentance. Lord, I'm sorry for my sins. Forgive me. And we need to be good sons and daughters. And those that are led by his spirit, they are his sons and daughters. Let's bow our heads so I want to pray this prayer over you. In Romans 15, 13, it says this. I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him. Then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, we pray right now in Jesus' name that this church, this assembly, these people would be led by your Holy Spirit. Not by religion, not by tradition, and especially not by our sinful nature. Holy Spirit, we yield ourselves to you. We don't know the right way. We don't know what the truth is apart from you. 
you have a function here on earth to make sure the kingdom of God is in full force. It is through you, Holy Spirit, that we receive righteousness, peace, and joy. That is the kingdom of God. So even as blessed as we are to be American citizens, we are even more blessed to be kingdom citizens. We have righteousness, which is the forgiveness of our sins. We have peace, which, which we have obtained because we are right with God. And we have joy because the joy of the Lord is our strength. We have joy because we once were lost, but now we were found. We have joy because we weren't headed to hell, but now we're headed to heaven because of what Jesus has done for us. We have joy because now we're not slaves to sin or our own mind. We have joy because the Holy Spirit puts it there. We thank you for the fruit of the Spirit. Holy Spirit, my prayer for each of these people is that they would realize that the Holy Spirit is a person and not an it or a thing. The Holy Spirit is a person. He is a person of the Trinity. And he is on this earth right now. He talks to us. He leads us. He blesses us. He protects us. He guides us. He's real. He is a person. He is a member of the Godhead. So Holy Spirit, may everyone under the sound of my voice long for a relationship with the Holy Spirit. Your word says, my sheep know my voice, and a stranger they will not follow. The voice of God is the Holy Spirit. The voice of God is the word of God. And we thank you, Holy Spirit, that you illuminate the word of God in our lives. And we pray this in Jesus' name.